Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs. Providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Lab's Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking not far from the Greenwich Mean Time Line, GMT, i.e. London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to talk to Hamed, President and CTO of Nearfield Instruments, And he's going to share his journey to the helm of an organisation leading in a super high-tech, high-science market, where he and his team make chip manufacturers very happy by helping them measure down to the atomic level. So let's not delay any further. Let's welcome our guest, Hamid. Welcome to CTO Confessions podcast. Welcome on board. Thank you very much. Thank you for your uh, invitations. Uh, Nice to talk to you. Brilliant. So uh, for the audience, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? I'm Ahmed Sadehian. I'm a founder of a company called Neofield Instruments. Uh, and uh, I have the role of a president and a chief technology officer. At Neofield, we develop uh, equipment, uh, complex equipment for semiconductor industry, nanoelectronics. Uh, these are typically uh, companies who manufacture uh, chips for mobile phones, for uh, higher speed computations, uh, memories, and we deliver equipment for their process control. Wow, yes. Um, uh, doing some research offline uh, around your company. Um, I, uh, so the audience, so we've had a conversation before this, and uh, actually this was an area of industry that I actually wanted to kind of uh, aspire to, being a, a band gap engineer, you know, which is the exact equipment mm-hmm. to work with. So um, um, it's, a, it's a great topic for me, uh, and I'm really kind of excited to, to talk to you about this. So, so I'm kind of interested, um, Hamid, how you kind of got to this, because this is such a a strange niche industry to be in, you know, measuring and, and providing uh, equipment for this industry. Uh, you're three startups in, aren't you, uh, in terms of your career? True. That's true. Uh, I, I've been always, you know, and in, in more heart, uh, entrepreneur. Uh, started a company years back, uh, also in equipment, uh, but for oil and gas and steel industry, making uh, uh, big equipments for, you know, uh that that are installed in uh, a steel industry like conveyors you know mixers uh, lifting platforms uh, uh, because my background is a uh, mechanical engineering mechatronic systems design uh, that was the first one i uh, it was rather successful although it was not very big but it was uh, healthy um i sold the company uh, years back uh then I had my second company, which was uh, a calibration device uh, for uh, some of the nano instruments. And that turned out to be a failure. Uh, let's say, well, failure in a sense that uh, after, after a while working on it and the business development and, you know, getting the market uh, insights, I came to the conclusion that uh, there's not a big market. You know, it will be saturated very soon. Yeah. Uh, so I said, you know, if it's going to fail, let it fail soon. So wow. I st- stopped that. Um, years later, 
uh, I became much more interested in semiconductor industry. It's a very attractive, interesting, yet challenging industry. And my background being able to, you know, uh, develop equipments, complex equipment fitted well. Um, I identified a um, <clears throat> market gap, especially in the process control of uh, the productions, the chips, the memories uh, that are being produced and developed an idea from scratch to make an equipment that can help the chip manufacturer of these boards for a better process control. Wow. This is a this is a very unique industry. It's it's very strange industry in itself. Um, it's really at the edge of the technology, at the edge of what is possible. You know, you are talking about devices of only uh, dozens of atoms. You know, today wow. uh, five nanometer uh, technology node, so called, is being manufactured. Uh, it is in iPhone 12. Wow, uh, and these are not more than dozens of atoms. You know, it's uh, it's amazing, and uh, the industry is extremely innovative. Um, and the driver behind the industry is actually coming up with new innovations. That's how this industry actually became what it is now, more than yeah. four hundred billion US dollar. Wow, that's a lot of money. That's a that's a big ching, you know. For the market, so I mean, that's um, yeah. I'm kind of thinking which way I take the conversation because there's a part of me that wants to talk about the fabrication and the measuring, um, and another part that kind of uh, well, let's see. Let's see if we can cover both. So, so in terms of uh, the measuring, okay, uh, of of these fabrications, you kind of mentioned that you can measure up to uh, twelve. Is it twelve atoms or something uh, thick? We can. We we actually have atomic resolutions. Our wow. uh, solution, our equipment, is capable of uh, having atomic resolutions. Wow, that is pretty neat. You know, to uh, to actually see. Wow, well, yeah. Um, uh, and and the idea is, is then you can see the imperfections, the kind of the, the gates, uh, their profile of what the uh, process exactly. is creating. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and, maybe what, what what I should add is that the, the, the technology in itself with such a high resolution is not new. What is new is making it production worthy. You know, uh, having a microscope that has an atomic resolution is one thing. Yeah. Having a metrology equipment that can work, you know, with extremely high productivity, high throughput, yeah. 24 hours, seven day fair weeks, uh, that's the challenge, you know, yeah. that, that the industry needs. Yeah, that's the, um, and you can, the term they used there, this was one that was new to me, actually. I had to kind of look it up uh, before in the met metrology, you know. I thought it was uh, uh, studying uh, meteors or something like that, but obviously it's... It's the art of, art of measurement, you know. Yeah. Um, these devices uh, that uh, let, let it be a transistor, they go through many processor steps. Yeah. And at the end of all those process steps, then you have a working device. Yeah. If you measure the performance of the device at the end and it turned out not to be good enough, you have wasted millions of euro of, uh, or dollar of, uh, of work. Wow. So it's important to detect any imperfection, any issue as soon as possible. Yeah. And one way to do it is measure the dimensions of these features as early as possible and predict 
the yield of productions and the performance if that device continues uh, to become a device. Yes, wow. And that is where we add value. Yes. Uh, by uh, optimizing the process control to enhance the yield of the productions. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I can imagine uh, the importance of that because when you see these wafers, uh, you know, we're talking, I mean, billions of transistors, you know, and they've all got to work. That's the madness about it. You know, when you see this thing, you're thinking it's not a case of one or two have to work. They all have to work. Uh, so, you, so, you're, uh, so you're kind of ensuring the kind of quality of the mid-process of making sure that you don't kind of go any further in, in terms of uh, producing that stuff. So, um, again, I'm kind of curious as to how how you got into this niche market. You mentioned that you were in the kind of uh, measuring industry, um, how do you go from, um, you know, measuring uh, oil and gas to, to measuring atoms? I, I've done a I've done a PhD, you know, in a, more on nanomechatronics or making equipments where you interact with at nano uh, nanoscale. Yeah. Uh, you know, the immediate application, the immediate market is semiconductor industry. Yeah. Um, if you look at in this industry. Uh, the the inspections uh, are either based on optics photons or based on electron beams. Mm. Uh, the industry is pushing going to you know smaller nodes, uh, much more uh, uh, complex structures, really 3D, like a like a, a tower, let's say, yeah. because you know it's like a city. You know you you have uh, you have residential houses, and then the population goes up, and then you have to put more in the same area. You cannot increase the area. Yes. Then the only way is to go actually to a skyscraper. Yeah. That's the same in semiconductor industry. Wow. So yeah. it's high aspect ratio, fully 3D. Optics resolution is limited to its wavelength that you use. Yeah. Therefore, you can imagine it's not sufficient enough in terms of resolutions for these tiny devices. Mm. Electron beams also have their own difficulties. They are destructive. They are, you know, not capable of fully measuring the 3D devices. Therefore, there was a gap between what the suppliers of equipments or solution providers can provide and what really the manufacturers of this world, the, the fabs, uh, required. So yeah. we identified this, this gap. Um, uh, thought of uh, solutions that actually can bridge the gap. So we are not replacing the whole metrology, but we are adding a value on a specific segment of the market where others cannot do it. Yes. Wow. That's pretty neat. I, I love that. So you kind of saw the gap and innovated. You kind of created what was already there, um, used what was already there to kind of, as you say, add that value. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. I think for any entrepreneur, for any starting of a business, what is important is, is First, find the pain. Pain of the industry, uh, that's the most important, you know. Find the pain and, and one way to really assess if this is a true pain is how how attractive is that, uh, how interest uh, in, uh, interested is that customer, you know. Yes. Are they really willing to become a customer or not? Yeah, I love that. Measuring pain. Maybe you need to make a machine that measures pain, you know, as well. <laughs> the, uh, that's, that's great. And, and obviously, uh, the kind of industry trends as well, as, as you mentioned, the nanometers, was it five nanometers uh, we, we're kind of down to? Today is five nanometer in the production. So the next step, which will be in 2022, will be three nanometer. Then we have two nanometer. Then we have one nanometer. And that's in your roadmap. That's the customer's roadmap, and we will follow that. You know, they will make devices out of these technology nodes, 
and then eventually it will switch from a CMOS uh, technology to other technology like quantum computing, quantum devices. Yeah. That will be the follow-up. Exciting stuff. This is like tomorrow's world now, you know. I feel like we're kind of uh, we're doing a, a documentary on, uh, on, on, the, on the future. But, I mean, this is great that you you kind of found this niche uh, and you're working in it and, and you've obviously succeeded um, in achieving your goals. And, and obviously, uh, again, on terms of the, the size of the market, the other changes, the size of the wafers, I guess they're, they're getting more and more larger as well. Is that something that you have to kind of contend with? It's um, so there are, there are different sizes of wafers uh, from uh, let's say 100 millimeter, 200 millimeter. Um, all the fabs really that work on the premium electronic, like you know uh, uh, processors for you know uh, the phones, uh, smartphones, or high speed computations, artificial intelligence. These are all based on 300 millimeter wafer. Right. There was a. Industry movement back in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, to switch from 300 millimeter to 450 millimeter. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's big. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. Um, so the whole industry was moved actually to that direction. But after a while, the industry decided to stop, to postpone uh, to later moments, if, if at any time to pick it up. Uh, and they saw the added value as a still to focus on the 300 millimeter and try to improve the yield of the production on 300 millimeter. Yeah. You know, they, they try to squeeze like lemon out of all the technology yeah, possibilities like before they make such a disruptions. That's right. There's still room for improvement. I like. I like. I, I, I imagine as somebody working in that industry, when you hear that kind of news that this is where we're heading, it's like well, you what you know kind of thing. You're going. What you're going to do? What <laughs> you know? Um, Indeed. But I guess, I guess being in that kind of cutting edge technology, your ability to be agile, that kind of business agility is really important because effectively the needs of your customer are your needs. You're not creating another industry. You're serving an existing one. So, yeah, that's absolutely. So from a leadership perspective, you know, starting up an organization, uh, you know, three in, I mean, that, that takes quite a lot out of you. What kind of tips do you have for kind of tech leaders out there in this kind of uh, startup space? What have you learned? Uh, in, in, this, in this market, uh, which is extremely challenging, it's very tough, you know, um, and the technology that is complex, it's a very risky business, both from co- uh, penetration to the market, but also the uh, feasibility of your product or the technology. Yeah. You will be certainly unsuccessful if you do not have the right team around you. Yeah. The team is the most important factor here. And, you know, so the hygiene is, you know, you have to have the the top quality core competency, but that's not enough. You also need people that take responsibilities. They take ownership. You should avoid micromanaging them and tell them what to do. Instead, you have to make them the owner of their, you know, uh, their work and their developments. Um, if you do it like this, then most of the hidden risks come to the table. If you try to do it as a traditional top-down approach that the leader says what to do, whether we like it or not, his, his view is limited. So there will be risk that he cannot see it, he or she cannot see it. By having, you know, more people 
part of this leadership and, and allow them to take the ownership and responsibilities, more of this risk come to the table. Yeah. And then it helps you to become more successful. Wow, look so good. equip yourself and, and, and make a good team that can take ownership that, you know, they have also entrepreneurial behavior. Uh, they know what, what does it mean to work for a startup? Not all the processes in place, you know, uh, they have a broader responsibility instead of boxing them what to do. Mm. Uh, that is very important. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that is also very important, you know, have customer. Don't start development of a product or a market where you do not have a customer. Uh, launching customer help you to define the, what I call minimum viable product. Mm. Minimum viable product is a product that is minimum, so it's very minimized, but is still a viable solution for the customer. Yes. That allows you to bring a product as soon as possible to the market and yeah. do not stay underwater for too long. It is important to bring your product to the market as soon as possible, even though it is not yet a perfect solution. Yes. Because then you will use the experience of the customer to improve it. Yes. I like that. Very agile. I mean, this is ad. This Indeed. Is, show, this is what we did. What do you think? You know, kind of thing. And uh, so, again, I mean, from that leadership perspective, I love how, uh, you know, the, 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 the approach that you've got is, you know, get people around you that are going to be able to do the job and you kind of empower them. You're, you're kind of bleeding your leadership into them to, to kind of get the job done. So is this something that you naturally had uh, as you kind of entered this space or is this something that you learned through uh, a colourful moments of... Uh, I think of I think, I think that was... Uh, I burned my fingers on it, let's say. <laughs> I had a taste of it before. Yeah. And... So I would say that's that's that, that's that's the main reason. Uh, also, uh, looking back to my career, you know, I was not a person that liked to be managed. Okay. <laughs> or, or even worse, to be micromanaged. Uh, you know, give give freedom, allow space for mistakes. You know. Yes. And uh, learn from it. Uh, this is this is essential. Mm. So I believe in it. Therefore, that's how I act. Yeah, I like it. You, you kind of, uh, you're talking the talk and walking the walk, you know, so to speak. And I, I like that. Um, I, I can imagine, again, in this industry, because you are at the edge, there is a lot of experimentation. There's lots of, we really don't know, we just need to kind of try it. So managing that um, failure is, uh, is quite challenging. Indeed, indeed. Yes, of course. Um, for a, for a, a small company like us or a small medium enterprise, um, a failure, a, a, a big a mistake with a rather big consequence uh, can consider a failure and a, a failure of the company. So wow. yes. it's, uh, risk mitigation and management is extremely important. Yes. And on the other hand, allowing your team to make mistakes and learn from it is also important. And I think the art is the balance between the two. Mm. Yes. Uh, how, how you can manage that you allow your team to make mistakes on the other hand those are well mitigated that does not lead to the failure of the company that's right you don't want to sink the ship you know kind of thing we'll get, we'll, we'll rock it a bit but we don't want to sink it <laughs> exactly 
Yeah, I, I love that. And, and I love the word word art you used there, you know, the art of managing that balance. I mean, it's quite interesting because we had a, a previous podcast, um, one of our guests talked about the tensions within an organisation, you know. So you want lots of experimentation and, and potential failure, but also you want uh, processes and stability so that things can stay. But there's a tension between the two. Certain companies more war one and certain and, and that tension needs to be balanced. It needs to be a conscious effort. This is what I allow. So I love how you how you find that. Um so it's it sounds like it's part, you know, it's in you that you want this and you're kind of bringing it to life. Um and and also being in an R&D space, that must be quite difficult because you're not only dealing with solving a known problem, you're solving a, a constantly moving uh, challenge or uh, requirement. Um, how do, how as a leader do you kind of deal with that from a company perspective and your teams? Uh, you know, what's the structure for your R&D? Good point. Uh, so we have a R&D department uh, that solely focuses on the next generations. If we cannot ensure that we can bring uh, the next generations of the technology, we are out of market, period. Yeah. This market requires uh, sustainable solutions. If a customer sees that, okay, there is a solution, there is a product that can solve my current problems, but I cannot use it in upcoming or it's not expandable for the, for the near future or long-term future, they will not do that. So yeah. it's important that maybe compared to the other uh, startup uh, uh, in other markets that we not only have to bring the current product and solve the current pain of the pro uh, the customer but we have to ensure that we have products in the roadmap and technology in the roadmap and actually we do a heavy r d in yeah. order to keep being a viable uh, supplier to yes. our customers yes that's right therefore we invest a lot on in r d we do a lot of r d yeah and I, I, I can imagine the kind of people that work in that and also the equipment and et cetera, et cetera, and time. It's, it's quite an investment. It's a huge expectation on ROI, you know? It's, 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 very, it's very capital intensive, yes. It's yeah. um, extremely capital intensive uh, and also risky. Therefore, there are not many investors, you know, uh, venture capital uh, yeah. in this market. It's just too risky. So, uh, Ahmed, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious actually. Then you know, you're saying that the funding is hard to get. So, what um, you know, to, where do you get the funding? Because you've got a lot of investment. There's a lot of risk and and stuff. How do you how do you kind of manage that? Indeed, there are not many investors uh, uh, with big pockets uh, and believe in this uh, risky environment to invest. Uh, but having a customer also helps you. Um, we are in an industry that the customers also know they must help the suppliers in order to bring solutions for them. So that's actually what happened. Uh, Samsung Venture Investment uh, saw the opportunity, saw that we can add value, and they decided to invest at the Airful Instrument. So Samsung Venture Investment is one of the investors. They invest in uh, you know high risk, high capital uh, technologies, um, and then uh, we had uh, innovation industries fund uh, is also a, a venture capital with focus on uh, solely on technology and uh, the high tech uh, industries. Yeah, uh, obviously when they also saw that the Samsung venture investment considered this as investment, it it 
it helped them uh, also to you know make the final decisions and that is how we started which in my opinion was the most difficult one you know they start because you don't have yet uh, the company you don't have yet the product no yeah. anything nothing is in place except you know a, a prototype or a proof of funds then we had the second round of investment which uh, which became uh, let's say in that sense a bit easier yeah but there are not many there are not many uh, investors in this world. I mean, it, it's yeah. totally different than when you want to have a a software or an app, you know, but yes. there's risk in it. Yes. You just need to a few engineers and that's, it's it's not compatible. That's right. I, I guess, I mean, I'm kind of intrigued because obviously the risk is high, but the gains are potentially high as well, you know. It's, um, uh, it's that kind of uh, the investor kind of equation, you know. So so it's interesting that you found stuff like that. And, and I can imagine uh, going to a, an investor with a kind of product that you kind of think is going to kind of serve the customer, you know. It's <laughs> kind of like, um, so what is it we do know, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so I, I can appreciate the challenge. So, um, again, from a, a, a tech leader perspective, so, you, you know, you probably knew at the time that the technology would work. You know that this is a need for the product. Did you have to kind of market it? Did you have to kind of create a whole set of presentations and demos and uh, to kind of do the convincing? Or was it easier than that? Marketing in uh, in this industry is very simple, yet the most difficult one, because you have to convince a uh, handful, uh, handful of, uh, you know, uh, customers. Yes. yes. <laughs> Not even that. I mean, there are there are very few players and the best marketing is actually show what you can do yeah. so they always the customers always do a very heavy technical due diligence and that's really showed your added value right okay that and, is the marketing yeah i mean that's that's great i mean it's quite simple actually i like i like that kind of marketing <laughs> you know show, show me what you can do right you know there you go yes oh. indeed indeed it, 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 i guess it's um a little bit like kind of a sports person you can either do it or you can't you know it's exactly Exactly. Yes. And um, so that's brilliant that you kind of uh, managed to get this off the ground and uh, you, you you had your kind of demonstration. I, I imagine that your first kind of projects to get this investment and show your customers were something out of a kind of sci-fi movie with wires everywhere and uh, no. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yes, that's true. It was a jungle of wires, uh, yeah. uh, especially during the integrations. Uh, yet we managed to finalize and ship the product to the first customer. Yeah, that's quite, and that's quite interesting. And uh, because the, the thing that I'm kind of thinking of here is that, as you mentioned, that this stuff is already in laboratories, it's been used, and, and it was used in a very kind of uh, broad sense, but then a customer comes along with a very, very narrow requirement, you know, it has to do this, and you can't you can't blast electrons at this thing, because you're going to destroy this beautiful stuff mm-hmm. that we're kind of creating, you know, um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting how you've taken an existing technology and refined it. And uh, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm just going to be in awe of it, I think. Um, so um, so as a tech leader then, again, as a tech leader, what what have you found uh, that makes your life easier other than, uh, other than that fantastic one, which is to kind of get your people to, uh, you know, create the, the right teams around you, you know, and empowered as well? Focus, focus, focus. Focus is the, it's really an enabler, um, you know, on a daily basis, you will encounter new ideas, you will encounter new proposals, new, uh, you know, stuff to do, you have to focus. Uh, that makes your life easier, that resources are limited. And yeah. 
you know, I, I, I'm also a resource and, and I'm also limited to what I can do and what I cannot do. Yeah. And it, what, what I mean by focus is lose the battle, win the war. Wise words. Yeah. That's really helpful and uh, make life of entrepreneur easier. It's yeah. never easy, yeah. but it makes it easier. So, so again, my curiosity is fired up. How do you know what's a battle and what's a war? I mean, is it is it straightforward to you? Vision, vision. No, it's not. But vision, you know, you you, you should certainly have a vision. You have to assess it, uh, sanitize it. How realistic is that vision? And if you come to that conclusion that it is for you realistic, you can make that happen because what is realistic for you maybe is not realistic to, to me because yeah. you can realize that I cannot do that, right? So it's really person to person different. But if you believe in your vision and you have sanitized it, then that is your war. Make that happen. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to put that on my wall. <laughs> no, it's really good. And, and 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 in terms of the vision, obviously you have it in your mind. You have it in your your journal or your kind of you know your your PC. How do you kind of convey? What's your trick or tip to convey that to the the wider organization? What is it you do to make sure that is aligned to? I think that's also a, a, an important skill that any tech leader should have. Be able to tell complex things in a most simple way. Right. Yes. And if if I cannot explain to my grandma what I'm doing and where I add value, <laughs> then I have you know that's my problem. It's not her problem. That's yeah. a yeah. Yes. That's important. Making it tangible. Break it down. Uh, in such a way that different audience can understand it, can get connections to your vision and what you want to do. Yes, I love that. It, it, it kind of reminds me of Richard Feynman, you know, his lectures. Yes. <laughs> he was just, I'm, I love listening to his lectures. So audience, if you've not uh, read or listened to any of Richard Feynman's uh, lectures, do that right put that on the top of your list for 2021 uh, and uh yeah so you kind of have to be uh as a tech leader at richard Feynman to kind of explain uh in in easy terms and also i guess from a tech leader's perspective it's not all about technology it's about saving money as well so you're going to see the financial uh vision around your customers kind of needs around that so conveying that absolutely yeah absolutely that's brilliant um and I've got a kind of bit of a random question here, kind of coming back to your product. Um, what's the name of your product again? Because I was curious about its name. The first product uh, is called Quadra. Quadra, okay. And what does that mean? Other than Quadra uh, refers to the fact that in one uh, one of the uh, aspects of our product is that we have several metrology uh, units that war operates in parallel and that's why we can get a uh, higher throughput and the first product has four heads for subsystem wow. and that's what we we call it quadra there you go that's a good name i like that i think yeah yeah that's that's great and i guess um, again from a <laughs> from a technology perspective i don't know if it, this is important to our audience but to naming your product as well to make it sound uh Kind of intriguing uh, you know there's, there's almost like a marketing pr kind of aspect to to the product as well there is certainly there is uh, though compared to other industries and market is less you know yeah. <laughs> the, the customers pay way more attention to what it can do 
rather than what is it is called actually yes yes it is important it is important you, you know you have to the, the name of the program should you know radiate what it does where does it add value yeah. Uh, so it's important, yes, right. certainly. Uh, just as a kind of side note uh, for the audience and yourself, uh, when I worked in the embedded industry, you know, working on software and stuff, I used to joke about sticking a blue LED on the thing so it just made it look better, you know, because obviously blue <laughs> yeah. quite rare at the time. Uh, but yeah, you kind of had to kind of give it give it some kind of cool name or whatever. It sounds like a, an excellent industry to be in. Um, I'm kind of curious around uh, your new offices. You've got some new offices, actually. First of all, where are you based? You're based in... We are based in the Netherlands. Our headquarters is in the city of Rotterdam. Yeah. A uh, couple of months back, we opened a new location in the city of Eindhoven, right. uh, in a high-tech campus in the city of Eindhoven. And uh, in, uh, in the month of, uh, towards end of January, we will open a near-field uh, look, uh, branch in Korea. Oh, so wow. This is how we are expanding. Yeah. I, I take it that's the South Korea. South Korea, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that's you know, yes. just, just my kind of cheeky, uh, cheeky joke there. But um, yeah, I mean that's fantastic. And what are your hopes for the offices? These new offices? Is it R and D? Is it? Uh... So, uh, so in Eindhoven, um, uh, the focus will be on uh, mechatronics and advanced control. Uh, the core of our system and enabler in, in our systems are mechatronics and advanced controls. You know. Uh, and that is the reason to have this office in Eindhoven because Eindhoven area is extremely, if I don't say the best in the world, which I believe they are, we want to be also there to also be able, you know, to collaborate with our partners that are located there, yes. have the better access to the pool of the talents in this field. That's a focus in, in, uh, in the city of Eindhoven. Yeah. In Korea, uh, South Korea is uh, one of the countries with very, you know, uh, which are dominant in, in semiconductor industry. Yes. And uh, we want to be close to our customers, uh, not only for sales and service and support, but also for R&D purposes, you know. Yes. To be, to, I, I see our, our customers as our partner. Yeah. We want to be a partner. Yeah, we want to add value, so we want to be close to them, understand the need, understand the the, the type of challenge, and work on the R and D to actually stay as a valued partner for them too. So that's the reason to start also being in yeah. South Korea. Brilliant, I love it. It's, and I guess the kind of efficiency of conversations, developing relationships, being in that space. It's also it's a commitment to that to that region as well. It's saying we're here, you know, we're here round the corner. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Hoping for some team biscuits, you know, uh, we'll 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 keep you, you know, we'll keep you happy. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so that's great. Uh, so as we kind of come to the end of our time together, you know, it's been fascinating. As I keep mentioning, I think it's a great industry, uh, very niche. Um, What's your kind of key takeaway that you'd like to offer to other tech leaders, men and women out there in similar kind of positions to yourself? What's the gem that you'd like to offer? If you are thinking of becoming an entrepreneur and start, start you know, uh, this journey, uh, just get it started and uh, jump in this cold water. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's one. Second, try to, you know, assess your idea. Uh, it's It's very important to keep, you know, working on your visions and then but it, on the other hand uh, be self-critical you know have customer because 
often and most of the time customer knows better what is needed what needs to be developed yes uh, so try to have that customer as soon as possible and don't be a perfectionist that's arcles hill of an entrepreneur yeah try to come to the market as soon as possible and let the market try your product and give you feedback that's uh, that's my advice to any tech leader brilliant i love it nice nice set of three there and and uh, actually as i was listening to them i was kind of mentally making some notes so i'm going to follow some of those tips as well <laughs> that's brilliant so thank you hamid that's been a really interesting session and uh, i've enjoyed your time and uh, you know uh, it's always a, a, a great to have a guest uh, you know on in such a kind of niche industry like yourselves thank you pleasure is mine thank you very much also for this interview i enjoyed it a lot wow as you could probably tell there i really got into that conversation with hamid this is a field of engineering that I loved once. Many centuries ago, I wanted to be a bandgap engineer. If you have no idea what that is, don't worry about it. But in simple terms, it's about the art of playing with the composition semiconductors to make better chips that power your devices, including the phone that you have on your person right now. There were many really juicy takeaways from the podcast for me, and here are just a few. Firstly, sanitise your vision, get it right, and then make it your war. I love this. So much so, it's on my wall right now. Thank you, Hamed, for gifting me with that. Secondly, what you need to be able to lead effectively in an entrepreneurial company is the right kind of people and teams. They need to be able to be resourceful and own their own challenges, i.e. get on with it, so to speak. Thirdly and finally, Hamed talked about finding the pain in the market and then ensuring the solution is what the customer wants. This is really important, especially for us engineers. Sometimes we create the solutions that we think the customer wants. And speaking again to the agile values and principles is check often with the customer whether you're going in the right direction. Are you solving the problem in the way they need it to be solved? So as I said, there were many other key takeaways from the podcast. And I better shut up right now because I could go on forever. And if you're curious about the equipment that Amid and his company make take a look at their website, www.nearfieldinstruments.com, all in one word, and you'll see an animation showing the machine at play. It's fascinating to watch. So thank you again, Hamid. I love your company's entrepreneurial spirit, and of course your own. And I wish you all the success in your niche of niches. And finally, Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.